Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series with actor Hilda Fay and writer Elaine Murphy. In this podcast, Hilda talks about her long relationship with the Abbey, her current production on the Peacock stage that is Tina's idea of fun, with its big, broad characters akin to O'Casey with a kick of contemporary Dublin. Elaine draws out gems that shape the arc of Hilda's story so far, the magic of musical theatre, being the Daniel Day of Trinity, and observing the charismatic catalyst that is Anita Reeves at work. Elaine and Hilda talk about the shades and tone of character, about the power of theatre and the wisdom of husbands, and waiting for Winnie and Juno and David Bulger and Marco Rowe. Enjoy this podcast. Hello, Hilda Fay. Hi, Elaine Murphy. (laughs) (laughs) Great to have you here on this afternoon. We are currently sitting in the control room of the Abbey Theatre and we're looking out on the beautiful Abbey stage, which is uh, under construction at the moment Mm -hmm. for Othello. They're just putting the seats on the uh, stage for... uh, I think they're going to have people on the stage, aren't they? Part of the audience. You can buy tickets for the audience. I'm not sure, I'm not sure. But it looks I haven't heard anything about it yet. Amazing. Yeah. And, uh, I've never been up here before. So. I do have I. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, and it's, it's bigger than it's I thought as well. One of the best seats in the house, I think. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. <laughs> Just to see everybody working. It's really, really exciting. Um, very special place. Yeah. Isn't it? Mm, yeah, it and, is. And yeah, always lovely to work here. Yeah. Uh, as I, I just, when I was... Thinking about this interview, Hilda, I was looking back mm-hmm. on all the stuff you've done here and I couldn't believe it. I was like, I, I knew you'd been here a little bit, yeah. but I didn't realise actually how much you had been here. You've been here like pretty much every year since... Yeah, since 2009, I think was the first time I came in. I came in on Playboy and I've probably been in here, done a show in here or in the Peacock every year since, you yeah. know, which is great and, and I'm so honoured and delighted. There is something have... very special about working at the Abbey, isn't it? Like... Yeah, of course. Well, it was for, for, for me, you know, who I'm, I've been based here all my life. I've never went up to London to work. And for me... Um, I, I suppose I was over 30 when I played Playboy. So I was acting from I was 21. So I was a lot of years passing by the door going, please, please <laughs> let me in. Any auditions? You don't know what I can do. <laughs> please, Ben Barnes. But the door never opened for me, you know. So it was great. When Fia came in, he really like, you know, um, he really supported me. And I, I, I think, you know, he liked me as an actor. And, and you know, I, um, I've been very lucky to get to work work here like you know for the last number of years what was the, fantastic what was the first production you did here the first production I did um, Jimmy Faye brought me in for a play by the, wed- uh, the uh, play by of the uh, Western, Western World. World yeah with Busy Adigan and Roddy Doyle's version and I played the Widow Queen I remember I remember yeah that it was a super suit. production it was brilliant oh it yeah I love fun. that now yeah. and it was wonderful it was a wonderful piece of writing and I was very lucky to get to play that character I played that character in college you know in the country version, but uh, I have to say, Roddy's version and Busy's version was a lot more fun. I, I do remember one scene that sticks out in my head was you crawling up on somebody uh, and grabbing them by the scruff. What was who was that again? I can't remember what it was. I don't know. I can't remember. I can't, I can't remember. remember. But, but I always, just, I just have that vision of you. Like, that was a really nerve-wracking production for yeah, me because it was, it was my first ever production on the Abbey stage. I was working with all these actors that I really looked up to. You know, mm-hmm. Phelan Drew and and. Um, um, and I remember they didn't have a, a ch- the Playboy. Um, he dropped out for some reasons. He had health issues, and it took them. Uh, I think it took them um, 
a long time to to replace um, the play by the Westmore. But as a result, anyway, I didn't get onto the rehearsal floor into the third week of rehearsals. Yeah. So at that stage, watching the other actors work and me going, oh, they haven't seen my interpretation. Have I made the right choices? And I, when I got up on that floor, I attacked that poor man in that scene. <laughs> I was so full of adrenaline. And that's what Jimmy said. He said, you attacked that part. You know, but it was great fun. I really enjoyed yeah, it. it you know? And Angeline Ball did a terrific job before me she was the the widow queen before me you know so yeah yeah what we're back here to talk about today is Mm -hmm. your new production oh yeah tina's idea fun currently on the peacock at the Mm -hmm. moment Mm -hmm. um i've seen it i saw it in opening night i thought it was brilliant i i'm i'm a little bit biased i think uh sean p summers or sean mclaughlin as he as he was when he wrote now and yeah the terror flare and other things I love his writing. I yes, love the characters too, he creates. Me too. Um, they're so nuanced. They're so real. They, yeah. uh, they really, um, especially in productions, I, and I've read a couple of his scripts as well, but especially in productions, I think he leaves that lovely little bit of space for actors to bring... And I, to, I tell you, I tell really you, really develop their yeah, own people I think in them. You know, Sean is a special writer. You know, the f- first play he did, and I don't know whether it was his first play. No, in the Tower Flower I seen in Ballymun or the Axis, and I, he, his writing really blew me away. Yeah. It was so authentic. It was so real. It was so um, raw, and his characters were so quirky and eccentric. And I sat there and I went, I would love to be in one of his plays. And when I got the chance to do his workshop the workshop of this play about two years ago. I was so delighted. And um, that's really how um, I suppose um, I got this part. You know, I did the workshop two years ago. But um, the play is about, I suppose, the play is set in the kind of Ballybock area. It's a a dysfunctional family. It's set on the week of the Queen's visit. And it's a fly in the wall look at how this family exists with each other and how they exist within their community. Mm-hmm. Um, Tina is the mother of Tina. And she is... Oh, oh God, I have to take a big She's breath before... <laughs> I have to take a big <laughs> breath before I describe Tina. She is a tour de force. She's such a complicated character and she's such um, a har- you know, an interesting and challenging character to play. I suppose she's... A woman, she's near in her 40s. She's a 16-year-old son, which she's never had the capability or the tools to look after because she has arrested development and she's had drug problems and addictions from when she was very young. She's off the heroin now, but she replaced, she's replaced with alcohol and hash and, and other sorts of recreational do- drugs and uppers and downers and sleeping tablets. So she's in a pretty bad way and she's... the the. When you meet her at the start of the play, she's just off the back of a big binge and she's really at a really low crisis point in her life. Mm -hmm. She's looking back uh, on her past and and how she's reared her son and what she's put into him and she's looking at where she is now. I think she's a real lost soul. um, Her addictions have been constant in Tina's life and I suppose as a result of that, what that's done to her personality has made her volatile, aggressive, um, frustrated, Selfish, vulgar, you know, and and misunderstood. She's misunderstood, but let's just hang on that misunderstood bit a little bit there. Uh, You've described her a lot of things there, Mm. you know, vulgar, but 
But she's on the, I, I, I just, on the flip side of that, what I want to say is that there is a real desire in her to want to be, a, and this is the core of the character, I think. There's a real desire in her to want to be a better mother. That's what I was, uh, I was going to ask yeah. you. What are, I mean, I think all actors have to find that redeeming mm-hmm. feature in their character, yeah. you know, because if you were to look at her very coldly, you'd be kind of like... Well, I, I did have a struggle where it co- come yeah. to terms with her because I looked at her on the page and I went, oh, God, do I like this woman? And I had to do, I had to really do a lot of research, I suppose, and think about who she was when she was a child, what her experiences were yeah. when she was a child. And I read some books about growing up in an addictive household and what that does and how that forms her personality. Her personality was formed as a child. Yeah. You know, Tina did just, uh, this didn't come from nowhere, you yeah. know. This became because she was probably shown nothing, she was seen nothing. She was left under the streets and and um, she was wild, you know, she was rebelling, and, you know, for all different reasons. But this was kind of information that I probably, there was loads of questions I had um, to bring to the table, you know, to find out about Tina. You know, because I, I, what I knew in the script, you know, is that she's very volatile and she handles situations very badly. But I, I, I suppose the questions I needed answered was who was she before, mm-hmm. up to up to this point. But she's also very like she she wears her heart in her sleeve, you know, and she's very, what you see is what you get, and she's kind of um. She's very vulnerable to the world, and she's a person that can be very, very easily judged. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she so you really had wants a lot of empathy for her. I did, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, 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 I began to have a lot of that empathy when I thought about her past and where she came from. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, she's because uh, I would imagine um, just from watching it in other parts, and there's, mm-hmm. the, I mean, even in previous parts I've seen in um, my own, mm-hmm. like you played Lorraine in Little Gem for yeah. me, and I've, I've I've seen it in a lot of different plays, and a lot of the time, you play these characters that may be quite flawed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's something very likable about them all yeah, the time, yeah. And uh, you win your audience around all the I time. Do, I yeah, think, I do like to do that. <laughs> and maybe that's thanks something to do my own ego. I like to be liked, which isn't a good thing. Which I had a struggle but, in this part. But what I'm gonna ask mm-hmm. you is for this one, yeah. You I was can't tempted. really do that. Do I was very I mean? tempted. Like, now yeah. I can. <laughs> do you know, you can, you, you can give all characters all different tones. But I, I, I was tempted in, in the rehearsals. I said, like, Connell, is it important that the audience have empathy for this character? You know, like I can make her softer here and I can tweak her here. And, and then I just went, this is about me. This is absolutely about me. This is about me wanting to be liked and wanting the audience to like her. And mm-hmm. I went... I can't do this because it's not what's on the page. Yeah. And you have to ultimately be faithful to what the writer's written. And that's what I always want to do, come into any role. I want to mm-hmm. look at the play and read it and not really put my own preconceived judgments on top of it and just really serve the character. And how um, Sean describes the character, he describes her as feral, as an animal. And I, I kind of was comfortable playing that and maybe tapping into that side of myself. Because mm-hmm. you, you bring the character to you, you play, you know, you're, you're opening up parts of yourself to, to uh, play a tr- fully dimensional character. So um, yeah, I found her uncomfortable to play, do yeah. you know? <laughs> and, it, and it was actually, it, yeah, yeah. as somebody who knows you quite well and mm-hmm. has seen you do a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. it was wonderful to see it in that role because I was thinking to myself, Oh, she, you know, that's I'm quite conservative. I'm a lady, <laughs> but this lady. character just doesn't have those type of social graces, you know. No, no, you know. Um, but I, what I want to say about the plays as well is I think Sean has written these, his writing is brilliant. He, he, he's observed these characters so well, and I think 
it really is a true reflection of people who are actually living in our society today. Mm -hmm. And it, I think that might be uncomfortable at times for people to watch. That's the society we're living in. And I think he's written a really serious piece of work. And I, I also feel he, he's, um, it's, it's, it's like a contemporary O'Casey. Okay, yeah. It has tones of, he has these big broad characters and all this humour and all this tragedy. And, and, and you look at this play in a hundred years time, generations to come, and they go, did they really speak like that? Did they behave like that? Yes, they did. I think this is a real snapshot of Contemporary Dublin. Yeah. This and the performances. This cast. I can't say enough about this cast. That's that was another thing I was going to talk to you about was the cast. The they cast. are spectacular. I yeah. haven't seen an ensemble cast like it in a long time. Yeah. Just uh, first of all, let's talk about the two young guys in it. Yeah. Bundy and Aaron. Yeah. Aaron is plays your son. Yeah. Uh, Bundy is his pal. Yeah. What are their real names? It's Josh Carey and Scott Green. So this is their debut. Uh, on and the Sarah Morris stage. is, is oh, her debut say, as well. Da Sarah Morris is wow. her first show since she came out of college. So. That's brilliant. Yeah. Really strong cast. Yeah. I'm so happy <laughs> in this cast, I have to say. And it's the thing that's kept me along, kept me sane, because the crack we've had, you know, and it's just, they're so brilliant in these roles. And, and, and when we're hitting our flow on that stage, we're all so alive and giving each other so much and in the moment that it's um, it's a wonderful piece to work on. And these two lads, like, I'm so delighted. They've really made it for me and I think they made it for the rest of the cast because they're only 16 and they've never done a play. You know, this is the first time they've ever stood in front of an audience and heard an audience reaction mm -hmm. to their, you know, their lines and their dialogue. And it was like Santa Claus was coming. Christmas. <laughs> they were so buzzed up about it and they went, I can't believe we're going to get to do this every night for the next month. And there was such joy in that and I was so privileged to be part of their journey. But not alone that, they're incredible actors and what they, they give you on the stage. Brilliant. The audiences are loving them, yeah. as is Andrew Connolly's performance and Sarah Morris and Keith Hanna as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a great it's a great ensemble and I think we're working really well together. And Colin Morrison has like when I read it, he, he, what he said about the piece, he says naturalism is the enemy. If you're going to give a, a, a naturalistic performance, it's going to be lost on the audience. So and he I think he was it. so right about that because yeah. it is the kind of thing. Well, I didn't know at the time because it. I didn't know at the time because I was going, oh, Conal, are you more? You want more? You want this bigger, big? Oh, that that kind of scares me as an actor, you know, because you yeah. you want to find subtleties, you know. But um, what he he made totally the right decision, you know. He um, because it's energized the whole piece and it's really lifted off the page. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, so it's yeah, so I'm really, really, really enjoying the peach while I'm finding her very tiring, you know, and I'm finding I suppose she's feeding into me a little bit. I'm finding I'm a bit crankier and a bit more, more aggressive, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, you know, but uh, um, it, it's a wonderful piece to be part of, and I think it's a very important play, you know, um, so just uh, to go back a little bit, I think bit. it's very brave, sorry, of the Abbey to, to put it on. You know, um, yeah. Let's start from the beginning. Um, when did you get involved in theatre performance, all that sort of thing? Like, what? How young were you when you started? Or oh my god, I was probably, I was probably four, and I was on the Olympia stage in a, 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 this play called The Pepper Pots. You know, so I was four, and then I ended up doing panto with Maureen and I would have been on the gate. Maureen now? Maureen Potter. Maureen Potter. Potter. And I would have been, I, I danced from I was four up until I was 26. So I've always been physical. I was always doing all different mediums of dance. And then I probably would have 
had the lucky experience from when I was 9, 10, 11 to be doing the pantos and the gaiety. So for me, as a child, what, a, what an experience, mm-hmm. Elaine, to st- go from, and I always remember being in the wings in the dark and then going onto this lit up stage, all these lights and sets and colourful costumes. And it was magic. And I was probably, I had such a happy childhood doing that and I was very lucky. So probably I got the bug then. Mm-hmm. But really, you know, I never really thought I, I would kind of do that as a career, you know. I, so I what change that made you think, you know, this is not just a, a happy hobby, this is something that could possibly be a career for It me. wasn't until I was probably in my second, it was probably wasn't until I was in my second year in theatre studies, uh, my course out in Inchicore, went to Inchicore for two years and I did, I still wasn't still, still fully committed to the idea. Mm-hmm. You know, the nuns in, in my school, I did a school concert and I was, I played a very good Professor Higgins and they said, oh, send it to drama school. I have a I story know. about this. Oh, Elaine, <laughs> Elaine you were at the show, tell. weren't you? Uh, yeah, I'll tell the story, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, Hilda and I each other, because mm-hmm. let's pretend That's you're gas. a year older than me. Um, and my sister was in Hilda's year in school. Mm-hmm. And my sister, who was yeah, like a third from the left in the back somewhere, doing yeah. one of the flower women or something, was in My Fair Lady in uh, the school production. And Hilda was Professor Higgins. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah so you've seen me in my I debut did, acting performance. I just remember, at the, I think I went, because it maybe was on for like three nights or yeah, something. Yeah, was it? yeah. Or Thursday no, I think it was Saturday a week or something. Yeah. yeah. And I remember being there on the last night and you got flowers. And I was like, Oh my God! This is this is totally pro. Yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant. But, but yeah, they had the full orchestra. They yeah. had everything, mm-hmm. and they had amazing singers. Yeah, the teacher there was really what was her name? Because I was Mullins, never Marion Mullins. I was never into music. I yeah, was rubbish. Um, she was spectacular yeah. and really encouraged people. Big into choir, big mm-hmm. into yeah. It was a great school for that. It was a great school for kind of um, encouraging the arts encouraging music she was an amazing teacher she was very inspirational actually to me but um, yeah so I suppose I got that part I didn't really want that part but I got that part and did I you ta- want Eliza yeah, of course I wanted Eliza <laughs> for God's sake of course I wanted why would I want to flip press Higgins but it was the more demanding role and, and it was, I was an all girls school it was an all girls school had to do it. and I happened to be very good I was very good in the part so the nun says oh encouraged my mother to send me to drama school so I went to drama school got into Inchicore and um, I still wasn't fully committed to the idea you know, I just didn't really fully understand. I didn't have confidence in myself. I didn't really know whether I'd be any good at this. I didn't uh, buy into the fact that I uh, this could be a job for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose we did Pygmalion and I played some roles in college there and I had some great tutors um, there. Um, and I remember doing, uh, we, we were doing a great exams and I played um, Eliza eventually in Pygmalion but I just only a little, little part <laughs> but I got distinctions on, uh, uh, in my grades and I think the penny dropped then I went uh, like you know this could be something this could be something I think I'm actually quite good at this and and um, I think that the penny dropped there and then at the end of those two years um, I came out and I hadn't got an agent and you know I don't know whether I fully committed really to the idea of being an actor or committed myself to the craft that I was learning. So I went and I went to Trinity and I, I trained there for two years and it was wonderful two years and I was very hungry at that stage. Yeah. I knew by then that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to immerse myself. I wanted to train. I wanted to get techniques. I wanted to push myself as hard as I possibly could. I was like a bloody Daniel Day-Lewis there, do you know? I was really into the course 
And yeah, I spent two years there torturing myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> trying all different parts. But it was wonderful because I spent four years in training yeah. and I never played one Dublin part in those four years. Fantastic. Yeah. So you made up for it when it came oh, out. Oh, <laughs> I made up for it when it came out. <laughs> Probably the, the most well-known Dublin part you're known for is Tracy in Fair City. Yeah. Uh, how long ago was that? When did you have your last um, day I, on Fair City? When I had my last day in Fair City when I was eight months pregnant with my daughter and she was born to, so 2010. 2010. So that's probably so near six, wow, six, six years, years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I had a wonderful 10 years there, Elaine. Yeah. You know, I, I felt um, I learned a lot there and worked with some great actors and you I got some great students. It's 10 years there, yeah. Holy gosh. Yeah. So it was a long time, you know. So yeah. I learned I learned a lot about being in the business. I learned a lot about being in the public eye. I learned a lot about giving interviews. I learned a lot about. Um, what it is, the different styles yeah. of acting on the stage and acting for camera. And it wasn't something that came naturally to me. I don't think it was somebody that lit up the screen. it naturally to anybody, as in, you know, it's yeah. a craft like everything else. Yeah, yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. and especially with things like Fair City, I just know from talking to other people, because mm-hmm. we've never really talked about Fair City before, but it's that kind of thing that you don't get rehearsal space you know there's no rehearsal there used to be a tiny bit when we started there was there was more rehearsals when I started but it's not something like theatre you don't have you don't have the luxury of sitting around and analysing stuff analysing stuff and and talking to the other actors and even setting up chemistry which is the basic thing so you're kind of pulling each other from dressing to dressing going can I run this thing can I run that so in terms of theatre I love theatre because you have that luxury and it's collaborative yeah the wonderful thing is you've been extremely lucky and I, I don't mean this as any disrespect to any other first city actors yeah. but a lot of the time people who come out of soap wouldn't necessarily work straight away but you yeah. were working like pretty much straight I, like, I mean well you were always doing theatre yeah. as well weren't yeah. you? In no I, t- I had a, I had a lucky city. I had a lucky break I suppose in, in Fair City in that I played so when I was four years into Fair City and um Look, I, I, I'm hungry, you know. I'm yeah. ambitious I, 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 in terms of I want to play other parts. Yeah. I, 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 I don't like, I want to grow. I want to be yeah. the best I possibly can be, you know. I'm my own competition. I'm my you know, own yeah. critic. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, that's what I want to do. I want to explore. I, haven't, I don't feel I've got the best out of myself yet. I don't feel I've played that defining role. Yeah. But when I was very lucky in Fair City, four years in, I got to play the woman who walked into doors. Um, Roddy Doyle adapted and Joe O'Byrne adapted um, Roddy's favourite novel Woman yeah. Who Walked Into Doors into a stage version and um, I played Paula Spencer and that for me was a massive 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 jump that was and an opportunity huge, uh, for me for anyone who didn't see that I saw that actually it was on in a, a DCU what's yeah. the name of that theatre again? The Helix, the Helix yeah. uh, like many years ago mm. and what I found really unusual about it was there was a supporting cast around you, but it was pretty much her on a monologue, wasn't it? Like yeah, there was, yeah. people came in and out yeah. of it, but it, oh, was, yeah, it, was, it was pretty much you for the whole thing for like nearly, there was no interval, it was, it was over an two hour hours. 40, it was in, yeah, but it was, I think it was an hour and 40, you know? Yeah. And, and I, there was, a, there, there was a, like there was seven of us in the cast, but it was like... Yeah, that's, because I think... Well, it was going into it I was expecting a, a more dialogue ensemble yeah. piece and then yeah. it was I was really surprised that it was you well, for it was those in his book it's, it's one yeah. woman's voice you know and yeah. then he just fleshed out some characters and, and yeah, stuff like yeah. that but that was a huge, massive challenge for me and a massive humongous, opportunity yeah. because I, I felt like I was I felt and I, well how old was I I think I was actually turned 30 or something mm-hmm. when I got that role but um 
I felt very inexperienced doing that role. I felt I didn't have enough experience and I was just... And, and I tortured myself, I suppose, at the time, because I, I, um, I, which I wouldn't do now, yeah. but I carry that character around with me every day, you know, and I got very low in myself, I think, with the strain of playing a character and that, uh, that had gone through so much, you know, yeah. and it, it was a tough character to play. And, and always, you know, people um, come up to me and talk about that production. They still do. Roddy's writing was so powerful. And I think that changed my viewpoint of theatre, really. Yeah. And I just went theatre is so important because the amount of women that came up to me after that play going I feel so relieved that somebody understands my story that was me up there on that stage that's what my life that's what I went through and hordes of women said that to me and that's when I realised the power of theatre and the power of writing and what a play can actually do for you and what it can do for somebody else and how that can make them feel or you know how it can open their mind to new thoughts and um that was a pretty powerful experience for me because it became more than just a, telling a story. Yeah, it affected people in in a bigger way, and 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 that wasn't my for me. There's that was Roddy's writing, you know. Wonderful about theatre for that because we've seen that ourselves and other things. Yeah, um, I've seen people do that to yourself and Anita and. Uh, Anita Reeves played um, Kay, who was yeah. your mother yeah. in my play, and, and that play was Jim. And that kind of, that same response of people coming up and chatting to you afterwards and yeah. telling you, I like stories. oh my God, this happened to me, oh, that was, that's my aunt, that's my sister, that's yeah. whoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the beauty of your little gem was it was so universal as well. We took that to so many different countries, Elaine, you know, you know yourself, and people understood the story, you know, the circle of life, and, mm-hmm. and they understood these characters and the relationships women have with each other and family have with each other. Yeah. And the beauty of, I think it's so wonderful when you connect with an audience that way yeah. and they listen to their story and they're like, what I got, that was such a joyous experience, little gem for me, because to hear people laughing and belly laughing, you know, and to get that reaction back was just so good for the soul. Mm. It was so good for the soul, you know, and it was such a good play and such good writing. And there were such good times and we had the best crack uh, touring that play around. We, we really did. Thank you for that, Elaine. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> we both we both kind of started off as single women in it. Mm-hmm. And, and by the time yeah. we were finished that whole production, we were both married. We both had two kids. Yeah. It was like yeah. all these life changes. Yeah, happened and then we came it. back to it and we two kids. We both had two <laughs> kids each, do you know? So. Yeah, so it was. It was it, it, and it was even more fun, actually, going out last year again with it because we were like us out of the house yes, and we're delighted I'm delighted to be sitting in that chair um, my life was much more stressful than Lorraine's and I suppose uh, you know with two women sitting here we I suppose the the whole thing about gender does come up in, in theatre it's yeah, like yeah. how um, you know we're underrepresented and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing it's not something I want to get into here today because yeah. I want to talk about your training and your yeah. life and, and yeah. what kind of got you to here. Yeah. But I will say it really feels like a change is coming. 
doesn't it? It just, I mean... Oh, thank God, thank yeah. God. Look, I came out of college at 20, 21, and I sat there, sat there waiting, waiting, waiting for, like, opportunity that never came. And I looked at the um, lads, and they were working, 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 working. And I was just so frustrated at that time. And I, I recognised it then, and um, 25 years working now, and for 25 years, I just accepted that that's just the way it was yeah. until this explosion, which was incredibly liberating um, and incredibly exciting. And, um, you know, I can't wait to see what's, what's going to happen yeah. and what kind of new writing is going to emerge and many amazing, wonderful female characters will come from this. Yeah, because... I think like, and I 100% support it. Like everything, these things are on an undercurrent for so long. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. I remember I bubbling away from uh, when I was thinking about talking to you today. I kind of went back and I listened mm-hmm. to a few of the other podcasts. Mm-hmm. And uh, Amy Conroy asked me a question about female playwrights. Mm-hmm. And I was saying to her that I had been on a course uh, and that there was 10 women yeah. on the course. There was no men on yeah. the course. And yeah. I think that's the kind of thing that women are looking at it now and they're saying that is for us that yeah. is for me yeah. and it just takes time to catch up yeah. you know and yeah. I think and also you, you I get th- that su- the submission process yeah. and all that sort of thing that will ca- all catch up mm. with each other as well yeah. you know that we will have as many women submit work as yeah. much as, 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 it's as, important. as many men I want to see women writers up there on that Abbey stage so much more yeah, and, and what it's done for me it's actually made me a little bit braver actually yeah. and made me maybe speak up and go actually I, I, I can't work for that I'm my childcare costs XX yeah. you know and, and not be afraid to say that not yeah. be afraid to say that or, or say I'm, no, and I'm, not be afraid to be marked as difficult or mm-hmm. a whinger mm-hmm. or all those sorts yeah. of things yeah 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 and I think that you is know. really important because if you speak up you will be supported you know yeah and I think that's an important thing, you know, not to be afraid to, to use So your for voice. that very reason, okay. I'm not going to ask you about motherhood and balancing it all. Because <laughs> no. I would never ask a man that. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on from that and let's just talk about your body of work. Um, yeah. There's so much to talk about. I'm, I'm just looking back here at all the... The Risen People was... Uh, yeah, well, it's probably one of my favourite productions here. Tell me sure. a little bit about The Risen People. The Risen People meant an awful lot to me and I didn't really even know that at the time. You know, but Jimmy cast me in The Risen People and when I started doing the research in 1913 um, for all the tenement and, and, and I knew I had a bit of history and, and I started asking my mother and, and as a result then my great-grandfather anyway was died in the Church Street disasters which was a massive thing at the time in 1913 and it really what that did it got so much publicity around the country it highlighted the plight of the poor and the conditions that people in Dublin were living in. So I was devastated to hear this and it was actually included in The Risen People. I felt very close to that production. It was about the lockout and people fighting for their rights. Um, and it really gave me a, a sense. I felt very close to that production, you know, in, in terms of my history, you know. And um, I lo- what I loved about it, I loved um, Connor Lennon's music. Jimmy, there was a really edge to the production, the choreography and... Um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful production. There was only 10 of us in it. It was a really tight, strong cast. And um, it was a beautiful piece of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a really happy time on that production. And that's why I was very interested for me, because of my history. Um, I was very interested in um, being part of the, t- the centenary and the celebrations of 2016. You know, and um, I was very delighted to be asked to do Tina's, which is having a look at Ireland today, contemporary mm-hmm. Ireland today. 
And just on that, did you get a chance to see Play on the Stars that was on here? I did, yeah, and I thought it was, it was spectacular, wonderful. Spectacular, wasn't it? Yeah, it was spectacular. It was wonderful. It was really edgy. It was really fresh. It was rock and roll. Yeah. And look, you can't beat O'Casey's words. And I thought the, the the casting and the delivery and the control the actress had over his language was probably the, one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, you know? me too. So I really, I really sure, got... To, it was I heard five it... Five star. Yeah, I heard it in so many uh, new ways. Like, yeah. I, the words... Yeah, I did. Just, I, yeah. I, I took it in on a mm. whole different level and yeah. I heard it, a lot of the stuff for the first time, even though I'd read it and mm. I'd seen it before. Yeah, and uh, it was fresh, it was vibrant. It was you know. great, wasn't it? Yeah, it did make me look, uh, hear lines in a new way for the first time and yeah. all credit to Sean and, and the cast they did a wonderful job so just getting back to uh, there are certain productions you've mm-hmm. been involved in yeah is there anything left you want to do Hilda? oh for god's sake no we'll be here all <laughs> night right we will be here all night but yeah there is I want to do so much there's so much I haven't tapped into it, Elaine there's so many different sides of my personality I haven't expressed on stage through characters I suppose I am attracted I'm attracted to oh god I'm attracted to men's roles but unfortunately I can't play them because I'm a woman, woman. I'm attracted to those well, type of lovable we, unfortunate we can try, roles we, we can try and rewrite them I, yeah. this is a, 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 an ongoing argument I have is that you know, why why can't you just? I, I would love if somebody just went in and did a little kind of find and replace, yeah. and took the man's name out, and yeah. put the woman's name in, and I think that's happening more and more. You mm. know that in in an, an awful lot of feature films and stuff like yeah. that, that yeah. they're just putting a woman in there, yeah, and well, nobody the, knows any different. Well, the characters I love, the characters I'm really attracted to is like you know the two tramps from Godot, like these two downtrodden men who don't know how to improve their lives and, and would if they have the opportunity. I think they're beautiful characters, which I think I could play really well if I was a man. And you know, Rashers Tierney, Flute or the Bird Joker, uh, the Joxer, they're all really. Oh, beautiful, rich, vibrant, full-bodied characters. Um, you know, there's other. I suppose I'd love. I I love. You know, uh, Rosalind Lennon. You know, I love loved her in um, as Winnie and Beckett. I'd love to play that one day if yeah. I develop and if I hone my skills. And you know, um, uh, I know it's a massive part, and people will be rolling their eyes. Oh, Hilda Faye, like, but I would. I'd love a crack at it. You know, Josie and the Bog of Cats well, is another. Hang on, now you say that as if. <laughs> It's totally out of the realm. You did. I don't think it's totally out of the realm, actually. <laughs> no, I don't think it is either. Mm. Um, you played... And I'd love Juno. Juno, obviously. I have my eye on Juno. Bit young for a yet, but I would love to play Juno in a few years, you know. Maybe get myself into a corset, do you know. And maybe play someone from the travelling community. I've loads of ideas. Also, I have another fantasy I'd love, right, <laughs> Elaine? I just have to say this. Oh, here we go. All right. I'm joking. Why don't I get my <laughs> I danced all my life, right? And yeah. I've always had this desire burning urge to do uh, a dance piece or a contemporary piece um, and I would love to do something maybe I'd love to put Marco Rowe in a room and, and David Bulger and myself and I'd love us to collaborate on um, and tell a story that's never been told before that connects with people and use those two mediums to create this uh, so theatrical would it be piece of movement, art. Movement, or would it be dance, or would it be a bit of a bit of everything, really? Whatever came out of it. Yeah, whatever the collaboration, whatever would happen within that collaboration, I suppose, kind of. Um, um, but but just using those two mediums together. Yeah. And, and seeing what would happen, what you know, and you know, I have an idea of the story I'd like to tell me about. I keep that one to myself. <laughs> but yeah, I'd be interested in expressing myself that way because it's something. I even even when I look at characters and I come to a piece, I'll always look th- at them physically first before I kind of try so and analyse them. Tell me, how do you, when you get a character, mm-hmm. uh, when you get a script, yeah. uh, 
after you do the whole highlighter <laughs> I don't actually do the highlighter for <laughs> I'm the truth. <laughs> I, I only I borrow somebody's on the first day you'll see me on the first day where house go give me your highlighter <laughs> so how, how do you go about uh, you know getting ready for that character okay. how do you start mining for information or okay well, well what I first do is I look at the script mm-hmm. and I'll read that and I have a whole list of questions at home that I'll read and I'll go okay my first impressions of play and you know I'll kind of I look at like how does she look how does she move like what way does she behave what are the things I like about the play what do I not like you know what's funny what's not where does the play rise where does the play climax um, what do I find weird about the play what do I identify with What? so the list goes on I just have a mad list of questions that I always write down and go and then I look at the play again I read the play 20 million times and then I look at the play again and I try and find clues within the play what does the other character say about me Um. Um, who is she, you know, and um, I, I really just try and look at what the writer has written on the page and not put any preconceived judgments about what I think of the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try and find out what the themes of the play are, what the um, what he's saying and who these characters really, really are, you know. So if you have a, an idea of who this character is yeah. and then you go into rehearsals and the director has a different idea, Generally, he doesn't, though. <laughs> but, yeah. It comes around to my way of thinking. Yeah. Um, the hard character has to come from yourself, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it has to come from your stock of experiences. And um, I think it has to come from yourself. But yes, of course, you have to listen to the director because it's his take. It's his, you know, he's, he's ultimately is his... Um, We're saying he... Or we, she, we sorry. Just mean yeah, we're using I've that as she. See, I've worked with too many male directors. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to change. But yeah, ultimately, I, I'm there to serve the writing and serve the director, you know. And I think um, what I do as well, like when I'm looking at scenes and looking at, at the script, I'll bottom line each scene and find out what, what, what my character needs from each scene. And I'll try and believe that wholeheartedly, fully, and commit to that as much as I possibly can. And then I'll go into um, kind of getting research from everywhere, everywhere and anywhere, pulling from, you know, pulling from the internet, pulling from people I see on stage, pulling from past experiences, pulling from experiences I've read, characters in books and novels, you know, so that's what I'll do. I'll try and take pieces and montage of everything and mm-hmm. just see what works within the character and try and craft it and sculpt it like a piece of like, clay or something like that, you know. Try, some things don't work. So, like, I was working, trying things for the very last, up until the last preview in this play. Yeah, you know, and then I just had to kind of go stop. And do you feel it now. changes then when you get on to when when you kind of get into the run? Do you feel oh, it changes you, then again? Or yeah, or do well, you I just no. But when you go into when you go into the rehearsal, then when you and when you meet the actors and when you look in the actors' eyes and see what they're giving you, that changes again. Mm-hmm. You know, there's another layer on top of that. Like, and then you know you have to throw out some of your you, you know your ideas or pre- preconceived notions and of what you think the character is because you have to look at that actor honestly on stage and create a pure moment real moment mm-hmm. you know and it's, it's, I, that's why I'm really enjoying this play at the moment because uh, what the other actors are giving you and especially young Scott he plays my son we do a beautiful scene on the couch and just say door just oh. doing that scene with him you know because yeah. he's so honest and so in the moment and it's a rare thing to find in an actor yeah. that they can actually access a pure moment just like that and he can do that yeah. that's a real talent it is it's, yeah. and it's beautiful to watch actually mm-hmm. just as an audience mm-hmm. member mm-hmm. because it, it, all of those moments they're, they're the, I suppose they're the things that keep us coming back yeah. to theatre, isn't yeah. it? It's oh, that, yeah. Yeah. that kind of, yeah. you can see it, yeah. you know, you can really feel it. You and know? I think the other thing I, I've kind of learned as well, I, I think you have to learn the role 
there's a lot more you have to think about, about in, in a character. You have to learn the role, not the lines, you know. It's not all the time about what the character says. Yeah. It's about how she feels, about what she's, about how she's reacting to the other person's way they're speaking to her, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's more about learning the... That, 3D full dimensional character. The, the funny thing for me actually when I because my first play was a monologue and yeah. then the second play was dialogue. Yeah. And I remember the monologue one was just so much easier to write because the monologue they were talking directly to yeah. whoever and they were being very honest and they mm-hmm. they were talking stuff they would never say to each other. Yeah. yeah. Where with dialogue they'd mm. be talking away to each yeah. other and you know wouldn't mean half the stuff they're saying yeah, or, or yeah. just kind of saying stuff for the sake of it. And yeah, yeah. And that's really complicated to write. So I can only imagine what it's re- like to be acting in it as well. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. You, all, you're aware of all that and yeah. I'm aware of all that. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's just so much of life that we kind of go through saying one thing and feeling another feeling and doing another. another and, and, it, and it's not until you're up on the stage. And the play changes shades and tones every night because it's a new experience. It's, an, it's a new uh stimulus you're getting from the actor each night mm-hmm. now I can't be you know it's not out of the realms of what the director has directed because you have to stick to that and that's discipline and that keeps you safe on the stage yeah. you know and that's being professional you know but um, yeah so on that note I I think we're are we are we done are we done is there anything I'd like <laughs> to talk about you'd like to talk about Hilda any words of wisdom you'd like to add at the um, end of it any words of wisdom oh no actually I have a question <laughs> I have a question <laughs> not a question okay but is there any words of advice that were given to you earlier on in your career that kind of stuck with you and kind of kept I have a huge inspiration in my career and that's Anita Reeves and I know she's a huge inspiration to you she's too, a right? massive inspiration of mine yeah yeah and I adore her and I am so lucky I have gotten to work with her um, in Little Gem. And um, she taught me lots of stuff, you know. She's taught me lots of stuff. I sat on the stage night after night listening to her. And I watched her in rehearsals, how she's crafted. Um, if she knew exactly where the laughs were on each line. And she knew. Um, and every single night, her performance was so consistent. You but know? what amazed and what me she about said, her was always, as well, she she would walk into a room and she would feel the energy in the room yeah. and she could change the energy in the room yeah. so if she felt she it lagging a bit or if she felt people were a bit mm-hmm. giddy or whatever it yeah. was she it was almost like she was she had the reins and yeah. she pulled it up or she pulled it and, oh my and God, you could watch it's amazing to watch yeah she knew what she was doing but yeah. she told me she said Hilda you know she says it's not about what you're feeling up there on the stage it's how you're making an audience feel. Yeah. It's what you're doing to an audience. And that always stuck with me. You yeah. know, it always stuck with me. Because I come off going, oh, I really felt it tonight. <laughs> you know, but might not necessarily been the best performance in the world, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and also I got another brilliant piece of advice from another actress. And she just went, which I think is a gas piece of advice, care less. <laughs> care less. I, I don't know whether I'll ever be able to do that. I'm so 100% committed to, you know, whether it be the Abbey, whether it be a smaller independent production, wherever I work, I'm always 100% committed to finding the purity and the honesty and the truth in the character. But I liked it, like, care less. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it can't be everything to you. This business can't well, be everything to you because it's hard. It's full of rejection. It's, 
you know, and, and, uh, and you can't and put all your eggs in that basket. The, the whole nature of this business is that actually you're putting stuff out there to see if it works and sometimes it does and sometimes, sometimes it, it doesn't. doesn't and sometimes you're good in a role, sometimes you're not and that's okay. And that's okay because it's all about learning and yeah. getting through because my yeah. husband recently gave me the same advice <laughs> about riding because, you know, you tear yourself up in yeah. knots, especially if you've gotten a kicking. <laughs> yeah. And um, he, he just said to me, just put it out there. Just yeah. put it out there and and pretty much careless. And careless. So that'll be our mantra. Yeah, and also, <laughs> my husband, <laughs> my husband says, <laughs> he said, he went, Tilda, I just went, oh God, the reviews, the everything, oh my God, you know, and people think, oh, people think, oh goodness, and he went, Tilda, look, just you have to face that you're in an industry that is all about opinion. Yes. All about opinion. And he says, you just have to deal with that. And I went, and actually, I thought about it, and I went, that is actually quite liberating. It is. You know, it's liberating because, because, because a lot of the opinions are, are actually don't really matter. Yes. You know, what matters is what you think yourself, and how, what you believe, you know, if you believe in yourself and your work and, and what you want to do and what you want to yeah. achieve. And, and if you, you know, think of your work as a journey as well, that, yeah. you know, there'll be highs and lows. And, yeah. you know, of course, we'd all love for everyone to go. That was amazing. Yeah, but they're not going to do that all the but time. But they're not going to do that. Yeah, it's a tough, to, it's a, I think yeah. it's, it's a tough town. It's a tough town to crack the five standards and so they should have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on that note, uh, Hilda, thank you so much. Uh, it was lovely talking Lee. to you today. Thank you.